0: That was such a nice introduction, <clears throat> but it, it is true that, that since the foundation of this church, I've been so excited about what God is doing in and amongst you guys, and, and it's also true that all of those problems you guys had when you started, that was all my fault, actually. Hugh had all the good advice, all the wise and wise words, and I had the, the ideas that never, never worked out, so sorry about that, sorry about that, but it is great to be here with you guys. I, uh, I have a word that it's, it's, it's challenging because it's true is this world is filled with trouble. It's hard to remember that on beautiful sunny days like this. I was actually praying for rain today, and, and this, is, this, is, this is what I get, unfortunately. So if, if it rains later today, then, you, then you're welcome. You're welcome. That'll, it'll really help the message settle in. But, but all you have to do is turn on the news, and you'll see that the world is filled with trouble. In fact, I have to kind of tailor back on the news. I have to kind of, you know, see how much I can actually watch. And, but the news always kind of finds me. I'll be at work and someone will say, Matt, did you see what happened? And this crazy thing happened. And can you believe this happened? I'm like, oh yeah, really? That happened? Okay, that's that's great. That's just what I was looking for to give me an uplift during my day and feel really good about myself. And but I'm constantly reminded that that this world is filled with trouble. And and we see that in the Bible that that in 1 Peter, the enemy is like a roaring lion. It prowls around. We know that evil doesn't sleep, it seeks to kill, steal, and destroy as Jesus talked about in John, and that there is, there is obstacles and, and, and troubles that we face in this world. And that's just the reality. And I'm not here to tell you that this world is heaven because it's not, but Jesus does say in, um, in John 10 that in this world you'll, you'll face trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And that's the hope of, that we have is that as much trouble as there is in this world, we have a God of the impossible that partners with us, that stands with us, that gently takes us by the hand and guides us along the way. In fact, Jesus says, pray that, that it would be on earth as it is in heaven. Pray that that would happen. Pray that heaven would invade this earth. And that is what's happening. That all creation eagerly waits for the sons and daughters, which is you, to be revealed. That creation is groaning for you to invade, help bring the presence of God and invade this earth that is desperate for him. And we're going to be talk today about how we can do that, how we can partner with that God of the impossible, and we're going to talk about three main things. Kind of a roadmap for today is seeing, recognizing how God is moving, Re, um, what it reveals about us. When we see God moving, we, it reveals things in our hearts, and then responding to that. And one of the things about God... Raiding this earth is um, there's an acronym with raids that, to help to help with that because I guess those are helpful evidently, but but the way I think about it is see when we see the impossible things God does it reveals something of of the heart of God, we, it reveals His Father's heart for us it shows us things about us it authenticates the Word of God and who He is in Hebrews one. Uh, two through three, it says that all of these things we've testified and given proof through signs, wonders, and miracles, that there's proof that, that these things are real. It speaks to our identity as children of God, but also his identity as our Father. And his deity also, that we realize that as big as right now as you think God is, he's bigger than that. As big as you can imagine he is, he's even bigger than that. You cannot put him in a box because he can do anything, and all things were made through him. And it also brings Scripture alive, that the same Scripture that we read, the same God of Moses, the same God of Jesus, is the same God that is, is here for, for Mike and Ryan and Gavin and, and Diamond and Toby and, and Sam. you know, for All of you guys, that's the same God working and partnering with you guys. And so if we can start with the word, we'll see the calling of Peter in Luke 5, verse 2 through 11. <clears throat> he saw at the water's edge two boats, left there by the fishermen, who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon Peter, and asked him to put a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. And they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. I don't know if you've ever gone fishing, but it's, it's kind of hard to do. And, but when I've ca- caught a fish, I wasn't really amazed or astonished. I didn't really give God the glory for that. I was like, I'm a pretty awesome fisherman. And that's just my natural response. But here we go. Here's a professional fisherman right here, fishing all night and, and exhausted, washing his, washing his nets. And Jesus, not a professional fisherman, says, why don't you put out into deep water? And those nets that you just cleaned, why don't we get them dirty again? Why don't we just throw them out into the water and let's see what happens? And Peter, you can just kind of sense the exasperation in Peter's voice. He's like, teacher, we've been fishing all night, but because you say so, I will do it. You see, there's a humility that comes with that. In order to recognize all God God is doing, it starts with the humility of knowing that all things were made by God. All things. All things. In John 1, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That all things have been made with God in the beginning. And that word became flesh, and became the light of men, and the darkness has not overcome it. You see, sometimes when we're sitting in darkness, it's easy to think that that's all there is. That the darkness is suffocating, that that there's no hope in that. But there is a light that shines and cuts through that darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You see, before the creation of this world, the same God that created all things knew you would be right here, right in this place. He knew that you would have the struggles that that you've gone through. As Gavin spoke wonderfully last week, those disappointments that you have, God knew that they, they would be there and he was guiding you by the hand. He was getting you through that gently. You see, humility is sometimes a dirty word, right? You think about humility and you think that that means thinking about Thinking less of yourself. But C.S. Lewis said this beautiful thing. He said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking about yourself less. That's the beautiful thing about spending time in the word. It gets us to think, get away from all of our problems or all of the things that we would hope and dream for. And just to lift our eyes to Jesus. To think about him and that naturally brings us to a base of humility. That's what helped Peter say, because you say so, I will do it. And then, maybe half not expecting to see anything, it brought him to this place of astonishment. He realized that, that this wasn't just a good teacher, but this was the God of all. Even the God of all the fish. He got all the fish to be right there when they had no business being there in the, in the heat of the day, right there. As a fisherman, he would have known that. And it brought him to a different place of recognizing the God of the miraculous was with him. You see, the Spirit also helps us and guides us. It gives us discernment. And we need to discern. In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9 through 11, it says that no eye has seen, no ear, uh, mind has imagined what God has for those who love him. And the Spirit knows all things. It even searches the deep depths of God himself and brings that to us. That without that, we, we can't even believe. All of the mysteries of the universe are through the Spirit. In Ephesians, um, Paul writes that we, we didn't choose to have faith, that God gave us faith as a gift. And that same Spirit takes us by the hand inspires us, shows us that he's moving, working, and gives us rest. In Exodus 33, 14, he, God says to Moses, he says, my presence will go with you, and it will give you rest. You see, God works in both the big and the small things, and he also works in this church family. Do you know that, that sometimes I've thought of the church like an institution or even a business? And not once in the Bible has God ever described the church as that. He's never once said, this is a business. They had businesses back then, but he never once says that. But what he does say time and time again is, the household of God. Yes, Marie, the household of God. He describes us as brothers and sisters, as him as our Heavenly Father, as us as the Bride of Christ. That together, all of us here in that kingdom are brothers and sisters. There's something that binds us together in a way that the world can never give us. When I first came to faith, I saw that personally. You know, you couldn't pick your family members. I don't know anyone who picked their brothers and their sisters. But God has chosen that all of us would be in one family together. And we see that all over the world, God calls people together, that there are many people in the city. And together, we can mature together. We can learn from each other, push each other forward. And there's a safety that comes in this body, that we're not alone. We don't have to be lone wolves. We can stand together, and we're stronger and better together. And then we can see the God of the impossible moving as we go. Excuse me. A couple years ago, Ann and Anthony Moreno and I went to Mexico, right? It was pretty awesome. And we went again, I went again a couple months ago to, to Mexico, and we had people from California and Canada and Chicago coming together on this trip. And then we went to Mexico and we partnered with three different churches from uh, Mexican churches. And we were doing medical clinics and praying for people, and we saw God do incredible things. I don't know if you've ever heard of someone say, Oh, I went on this mission trip and I saw these incredible things happen. I, I saw people being healed. Or maybe you've heard of people talking about that. And that's a real thing, that in the going, as we go to witness, we witness things ourselves. We see God moving in ways that maybe we didn't have faith for in our regular day-to-day. And we saw that as we went on these clinics. We went into these different communities, and we were treating patients in the clinic. But we were also praying for every single person that came through. And, you know, gave them a hug, a smile, and, and we saw people radically healed. We saw people who had, like, swollen knees just evaporate. People who had trouble hearing, hear hear better afterwards. And it was remarkable to see that that God of the impossible, who does miracles all throughout the Bible, is doing miracles um, just today as well. You see, he, doesn't, he didn't take Peter and say, just follow me. He says, I will make you fish for people. That he came so that we would give this message to others. I think we, can all, we all would recognize that in the big things, if we saw a miracle, that we would acknowledge that, yeah, that's, that's God moving right now. God, if you if you healed someone or brought someone back from the dead, I would I would acknowledge that. But I think what's more challenging is to see that that God of the miraculous, the God of the impossible, is doing things every day, in all of these small things as well. Gavin, one thing he didn't tell you in the introduction is I'm also a massive nerd. That I'm 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 a huge dork actually, and it's it's true it's true. Gavin, you were very gracious in not sharing that. <clears throat> but I love I love reading about science and, and seeing God move and, and everything. And I was, I was reading about just even like DNA and how it's put together. And what they talk about is there's a something called the God fingerprint. And it's called the golden mean. And it, all, every double helix, every DNA molecule has that, that golden mean in the ratio. And that same ratio is in every animal and is every flower petal, regardless of the number of petals, it's all in that same, those same numbers and same positions. And even the largest galaxies have those same fingerprints. And even if the physics of this world don't make sense, it, it's that, that God fingerprints everything. And so even science, which is maybe agnostic, calls it the God fingerprint. You see, even science realizes that there's something here in everything that brings this together. <coughs> I saw that a couple, couple months ago. I got, I got water right here. Thank you. Um, I saw this actually a, a month ago on Good Friday. I was at work. And I had a thought similar to maybe something you guys have thought at work. I was in the middle of work, and I, I just stopped, and I said, you know what? I have to change the filter on my heater today. I mean, maybe you've had that thought, too. No? I told you I'm a massive nerd. I told you, right? But I was like, it was this compelling thought. I was like, I gotta change that heater on the filter, you know? And, and I put it in my phone as a reminder because it just it was a compelling thought. And I, so it was like 7 o'clock, I'm gonna go home, have dinner, and then change the, the filter heater. And so I say hello to my family, and I talk to Sheetal, and Sheedl says, um, one of the first things she says to me is, you know, man, I think we should change the filter on our heater. I was like, I was just thinking the same thing. <coughs> That's such a, a coincidence that you would bring that up. That's such a lucky, lucky situation that we're both saying the same thing at the same time. And I realized that all throughout the Bible, God never says that luck happens, that coincidence happens. God never says that. He never says, oh, no, don't give me credit for that. That was just a happenstance, right? That never happens. It's because God is guiding all things. So I said, well, hold on a second. We're both feeling the same thing at the same time. Let me just, I'm not going to wait for my 7 o'clock reminder. I'm just going to go right now and change the filter. So I opened the door to to the the room to get the filter, and this huge smell of gas, like, comes over me. And um, I call people's gas, and they come right over, and, they said that there was a huge gas leak actually, and it was shooting gas right in the furnace area. And there's a flame right by the furnace, and, and Anthony, if I'm not mistaken, right, gas plus flame equals fire, right? I mean, right, is that, you, you heard it here first, folks. That's, this is a real thing. This is a real thing, okay? And so I was like, okay, and so they fixed everything, and right after that, I get on my knees, and I say, thank you, Jesus, that you are the God of the impossible, that you, on Good Friday of all days, save us from the plans of the enemy that would seek to kill, steal, and destroy. That he's guiding in all things, and that was just as big a thing as anything else. You see, when we see God of the impossible moving and working, it reveals something about our hearts. It's like a mirror, that when, when we see a miracle, it affects us, that whatever is in our hearts comes to the surface. Now, we see that all throughout the Bible, that when God would heal someone, that they would respond in different ways. And if I told you that the Pharisees responded in this way or, or that, you would probably, maybe discount it, because I would probably discount it. I'd say, well, those were the Pharisees, you know, I don't, I don't want to be like them, so that doesn't have anything to do with me. But. So I'm going to focus just on the disciples. And you see, the disciples went through these cycles of fear and doubt and skepticism and anger, offense. They would disobey, they were astonished at times, and then they would respond in faith. But it didn't happen in like a line, they would go in circles, that the same disciples that I sometimes put on a pedestal. That same Peter, I was like, no, God, not Peter. Don't tell me that Peter did those things too. And yes, he did. He would do those same things. And we started our story saying that that Peter said, God, I am a sinful man. And he he left everything, those same fish that were so amazing to them. He left, including his boat, and followed Jesus. He let go of everything. But then later, we see that after the crucifixion, that those same disciples that were so full of faith, they all scattered. They all went their own way. Those same disciples that had years with Jesus, learning from him, word by word, doing life with him, they didn't believe when he was resurrected. You see, Jesus came to Mary Magdalene, and she went back to the disciples and said, I've seen the Lord, he's resurrected, and they didn't believe him. We see that in Mark 16. And then Jesus went to two other disciples and said, and showed himself, and then those two disciples went to the other disciples, and then they, they again, they didn't believe those two disciples. And then in Luke 24, Jesus himself, in the flesh, is in front of the disciples. And he says in Luke 24, why do doubts creep into your head, even now? Look, I'm flesh and bone, I'm not a ghost. You see, if, if, if they struggle with doubt and skepticism, then maybe we do too. Maybe there are times when we've wondered, is the, is the God of the impossible, does he even care about where I'm at and what, what am I doing? All of those things I believe for years, is that really real? We have to be honest, friends, that those feelings are not feelings to be suppressed deep down, but to be brought to the surface. You know, I, ta- I, I told you that we went to Mexico and we saw these miracles happening. And and I, um, and there was this one guy who had this knee that was swollen and he was limping. And I, um, I, I treated him and I gave him some medicines and, and then he went to the prayer room. And then later in the evening, the... The team said, oh, you know, it was incredible. Like, the swelling just went away, and he was jumping around and dancing around. And he said the pain was gone. And my first response, and I didn't tell him this, was, I don't know if I believe that. I saw him with a swollen knee, and he was limping. I mean, it was hurt to touch it. And you're telling me he was just jumping and dancing around, and everything just disappeared just like that? But I didn't leave it there. I didn't leave that as a bitter pill to suppress. I brought that to God, and I said, God, I'm a sinful man. I am... I don't believe, help me in my unbelief. And he did, he gave me faith that I saw that in the household of God that we can encourage each other and push each other forward. You see, sometimes we can be angry or offended when we see a miracle. We see the disciples had that in, in John 6. Jesus says, aware that the disciples were grumbling about this, he said, does this offend you? There have been times when I've seen something miraculous happen to someone else and I asked myself, well God, where were you when I was going through this? Or where were you when that was happening? Or I saw this on the news, what about that? And I silently, that offense leads to judgment and anger. And it's like a bitterness that festers in there. And I have to constantly be aware of bringing that back to God and saying, Lord, you are the God of everything. I don't pretend to understand everything, but I know that my path is with you. That that same spirit that searches the depths of even God can, can meet me in this place and bring me revelation. You see, fears and worries can come in. In Matthew 14, that after Jesus feeds 10,000 people with bread and um, the, the five loaves and the three fishes, that right after that, after they saw this incredible miracle, he was walking on water, and the disciples were terrified, and they thought they saw a ghost. And then Peter, that same Peter, walked on water himself, and then he was terrified, and he started to sink. You see, we can all go in those those. Those, uh, we can all struggle with those same things. We see a disobedience with something they struggled with. In John 18, Peter denied Jesus three times. And all the disciples scattered when Jesus was being crucified. We see amazement that Peter had, but later he denied him. He doubted him. He was afraid. And then, of course, we can see transformation, that we can be transformed to be a part of what God is doing. You know, about, about nine years ago, almost to the day, I saw something incredible happen. I was working in a veteran's hospital as a, phys- as a physician, and um, this guy came in, was brought in by his wife, and he was passed out. And we asked his wife what happened, and his wife said that he was an alcoholic, that he was struggling with drinking, and he took his medicines, and then he forgot he took them, so he took, he took more of them. And she tried to stop him, she tried to say, no, don't, don't take more, and he was belligerent and violent. And, and we kind of guessed that maybe he was kind of an abusive husband. And so then he kept taking his medicines, and then he forgot he took him them. He took more, and he took more, and he took more, until he passed out. And when he passed out, she could finally bring him to the hospital. And as he came to the hospital, one by one, all of those organs that were so delicately put together by God were falling apart. And his kidneys shut down, and we had to put him on dialysis. And his lungs were shutting down, and we had a breathing tube put in that was breathing for him. And his heart was shutting down, and we had him on three drips continuously going just to keep his heart going. And as that was happening, his lungs were literally flooding with water. And so we had to disconnect the breathing tube and pour out the water and then reconnect it. And we looked through all the research of what, what can we do to help this guy. And we did everything, the best that modern medicine had to have, we gave to him. And we were, I was working on him for 16 hours, and despite that, he was just slowly getting worse and worse and worse. To the point where the other doctors came to me and they said, um, Sorry, Matt, but he's going he's to die on your watch. And I was like, thank you for that news. Thank you for that incredible news that you just gave me that was so helpful to my, my, my day today. And over those 16 hours, as I was working on him, <clears throat> I didn't see one family member. I didn't see his wife. He was just going to die alone in his bed. And you could just sense the brokenness that he must have gone through and that other people must have gone through. So I called people from the church and I said, hey, can you come in and can you pray for for this guy? And one by one, they all said, oh, you know, I can't make it. You know, this is happening or that's happening. And so I was like, oh, this is is terrible. And I was at his bedside at about 3 o'clock in the morning. And I was working the night shift that night. And I just was standing outside his room and I was looking in at the monitors. And this feeling of compassion came over me that I'd never felt before. It felt like this flood just washing over me. And I felt this feeling of love that I... I couldn't really explain for this guy, this total stranger. And by all accounts, you know, a bad guy. But I felt like this love for the guy. And I looked at his monitor and I said, you know, this guy's going to die alone in his bed. And no one could even come and pray for him. And then clear as day, I heard a voice say, why don't you pray for him? And it wasn't at that time that I thought, thought about it. But later on, I thought, why did I hear a voice in my head? That's not a normal thing. And I got a little paranoid at that point, but, but at the time, it was such a gentle voice. And it, I just, I was like, yeah, why don't I pray? And so as I walked into his room, I felt this, like this, almost like this dense fog. I didn't see anything there, but there was this heaviness to the air. And as I walked in, it was like this electric feeling in the room. And as I walked in, it was like this thickness, like on my hands, like, th- like I had gloves on. And as I was slowly walking up to his bed, I would look at the monitors, and his his heart rate went from 60 to 55 to 50. His oxygen levels, now he's on the maximum oxygen possible. He's going from 90, 85, 80, 75. His blood pressure is dropping, dropping, dropping. And there was nothing else I could do. And I knew that at any point he was right about to die. And I walked up to his bed, and these words just came to my, my, my mouth. And I just said, freely I've been given and freely I give, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And I put my arm on his shoulder, and I felt something happen. And I looked up at the monitors, and his oxygen went from 70, 75, 80, 85. His blood pressure was slowly, started climbing up. His heart rate went from 40, 45, 50, 55. And I spent the rest of the night peeling off medicines and getting his oxygen down and just weaning everything off. And his kidneys started working, and all of those things that were fading away started coming back. And then I left because it was the end of my shift and I came back you know, the next day and he was sitting, I walked into, I went straight to his room and I walked into his room and he was sitting there just like you're sitting there right now, just blinking at me. And his first words to me were, hey doc. And I was like, hey doc? Hey doc, you were dead and you came back to life and you have to, your, your first words to me are, hey doc? He was like, wait, what do you mean I was dead? And like he's, he didn't remember any of this stuff. Like this incredible miraculous thing happened and he had no concept of it, right? How many times have miraculous things happened to you? These near car accidents or these gas leaks in your house or any of these things that could have killed you. And you're just like, oh, wow, that was, that was a lucky break. That was a great happenstance, you know? Hey, doc, you know? And I go, I go forth and I tell him exactly what happened. And at this time, his wife is, is by his side because you know he's alive now, so she has to deal with him. And, and I, tell him, I tell him this whole story. And he's like, wow, really, that happened? That's incredible. And I was like, yeah, you know, and you should, you should probably give up drinking. And he was like, yeah, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut back. I'm definitely going to cut back. I was like, cut back. You know, and I could just see the disobedience kind of coming up in, in his, like, that was his response to this miracle. And he was like, oh, you know, maybe I'll go to church again. I was like, maybe you'll go to church again? God literally saved your life. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's great. And, but I was so astonished that I kind of glossed over those facts. And I looked at his wife as I was sharing this. And she had this look on her face like, why would God heal this guy? Why would he heal him? You know, that I could tell there was offense and anger building up in her heart. You see, we all saw the same thing. But what was in our hearts came up to the surface. Right? And we have to be real that that's just the reality. And as I shared this to all like, the people in that intensive care unit and the other doctors, they doubted. They were like, I just don't believe that happened. They were like, no, Matt, I think you're just a really good doctor. And I was like, clearly, I'm not a really good doctor. <laughs> I was like, you guys know I'm not a good doctor. They're like, well, in this time, this time you were, this time you were. It's like, no, I'm telling you this happened. Like, we don't believe it. We don't believe it. You know, and after that, every time I saw someone sick, I just ran up and I started praying for them. And you know what I saw? None of them got healed. Not one of them after that <laughs> got healed. And I started to get afraid. I actually felt like maybe I'm screwing something up. Maybe I'm not doing something right. And so I would, I would say the same magic words that I said then. I was like, freely I've been given. Freely I give. In the name of Jesus, be healed. And they were like, oh, no, I feel the same. I was like, oh, right, right, right. So then I stopped praying for people for a while. You really, See, I was afraid. I was afraid that I was gonna screw things up that I was getting in the way. And only later did I realize that that's, that's only human. It's only human to feel those things. But we're called to be sons and daughters of God. And God doesn't leave us there. He brings us to another place. You see, once we realize that when we see the miraculous happen, that it reveals our hearts, God doesn't leave us there. He gently takes us by the hand. And he says, I have so much more for you. Like the word that Sheetal had, that he's called you not to walk this ra- lazy river, but to run this race And we need to respond to that. The great thing is that that response isn't a ton of things that you need to do. I'm not here to add more burdens on your shoulders. But I feel like what God is saying to you today is he wants to take away those burdens from you. You see, I I would put all these burdens on my shoulders. I would say, I need to do this, and I need to do that, and I need to do this. And I was crushed by the weight of all of those things. But what I realized is, is that following the path of humility and submitting to God... It just meant God wanted me to be free. That's all he wanted me to do. You see, me not being in control of my own destiny wasn't a bad thing. It was actually freeing. That the God of heaven and earth could guide me. I didn't have to have everything figured out. I don't have to be able to control everything. Because you know what? I'm not in control. And the quicker I realized that, the quicker I was free to realize that there is a God who is in control, who loves me with a love that I can't even imagine. And that brings incredible rest. You see, that freedom says, Jesus says that in Matthew 11. He says, my yoke is light and easy to carry. You know, he said that when, in Matthew 11, after John the Baptist sent his disciples to talk to Jesus. And his disciples said to Jesus, are you the one or should we look for another? John the Baptist. You know, his mom and and Jesus' mom were, were relatives. They grew up together. This was the same John the Baptist who In John 3, he said, I'm not worthy to baptize you. Who saw the heavens open up and a dove descend upon Jesus? Who heard a voice saying from the heavens, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. That was the same John the Baptist, but now in prison, he said, are you the one or should we look for someone else? And Jesus' response was, go and tell John what you see. The blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised. And then he looks to the people and said, all who are heavy burdened, come, come to me. I will give you rest. My yoke is light and easy to carry. You see, he knew that John was so heavy burdened. He didn't come to judge John, but he recognized that that's where we're at. And he brings freedom. See, we can rest in God. We can abide in him and we can move with him. In Exodus 33:14, 14, he says, My presence will go with you and I will give you Rest. You know, those 16 hours that I was working on that guy in the ICU was an exhausting 16 hours. But at the end of that, at 3 a.m., those few minutes that Jesus and the Spirit was guiding me were an incredibly energizing and restful few minutes. I felt like I could do another 16 hours. I was like running all around and jumping, you know, through hoops or whatever, just because I was so excited with what I was seeing. But yet, just a couple months ago when I saw a guy's knee being healed, doubts creeped into my head. I saw someone dead come back to life. But yet I couldn't believe someone's knee was healed. You see, we always need to partner with this God of the impossible. We haven't ever made it. We haven't ever arrived. We need to always remember who he is and how he walks with us. Thankfully, we can do this in the safety of a church family. <coughs> you see, in this household of God with brothers and sisters, we can mature together. There's a safety here. I didn't come here to judge you or to say anything. I'm actually sharing about, and you can judge me if you want, but I don't think you will, that these have been my struggles. And that we can do this together, that it's okay. This is real, this is normal, okay? But God, just like he guided me through these, these things, God can guide you. In Ephesians 2.19, he says, greetings to the household of God. We're better together. We really are, we don't have to suffer silently. We don't have to be alone in our rooms wondering why I can't be like Gavin because he's so awesome. He's so great. Why can't I do, can I have faith like this guy? You know, he has struggles too, I'm sure. I mean, I haven't haven't seen any of his struggles, but I'm sure he has them. No? No? Maybe not. Maybe not. Okay. And we can also go freely. You know, there are times when I've been really burdened and I felt so heavy burdened with what this Christian walk was. I was like, man, you know, I have to read my Bible, like, three times a day, and I have to do this, and I have to do that, and I have to go to church, and I have to do this. And God, oh, I'm struggling here, so that means I need to do more. And I put all of these weights and burdens on my shoulders. And, and those aren't bad things. Reading the Bible is great, and, you know, being in the Word is, is life-giving. But I put all this pressure on myself. And then when I would try to share with someone else, I would be like, oh, do you want to do, do, do this Christian walk? And they would see that I was exhausted and heavy burdened, and they would be like, Matt, you know, I, I think I'm good. I think I'm actually maybe better off. And I was like, yeah, no, I get it. I get it. That makes sense. That makes sense. And I realized that that wasn't such a great witness. Being, like, crushed, that was never God's plan for my life. But now when I see a world that is crushed, a world that is suffering and struggling, a world that is desperate for that God of the impossible, now when I share, I was like, why do you want to be so heavy burdened? Don't you want to be free? Don't you want to rest in the God who made you? Who knows you who loves you with the love that you've never even seen before people are like yes of course and faith can spring spring in you see if we're so burdened then it's a burden to share but if this walk is light and if god really does come to take away our burdens then it's not a burden to share with other people it's not a burden to go and to make disciples of all all nations you see heaven raised this world and i feel that all of us here today can partner with him to usher heaven on earth. On earth as it is in heaven. To be the sons and daughter that creation, all creation, is eager for. See, when the Pharisees went to Jesus and they said, don't let these people praise your name, Jesus said, you won't be able to stop the rocks from issuing forth praises to me. Let's partner with all of creation that knows its creator. Let's run that race that Sheetal talked about. But let's do it by recognizing what God is doing. By allowing it to reveal our hearts, those things that we bottled up, let's let them come to the surface. Let's God sort it out, and let's respond to that. And I just feel like today, I feel like today is a day that we can we can start that process together. That today, if you've ever struggled with any of these things, these burdens, if you felt so heavy burdened, if you felt angry or offended at what God has done or not done, if you've been afraid if doubt or skepticism has creeped into your head, if you've disobeyed the call of God in your life, if you've been astonished but stayed there, I feel like today is a day to stand, just as I'm standing, and allow God to just release those things. And I would love to pray with you today. So if that's you, I would just ask that you'd please stand in this time. Dear Lord, I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father, for what you are doing in this place. I thank you for the incredible, incredible tender heart that you have for your people. That you're both the Lion of Judah and the Lamb of God. That you come with this heart of compassion for us. but you come humbly, Lord. And Lord, I pray, Father, that all of the things that we're struggling with, Lord, those weights that we carry on our shoulders, those burdens that we faced, those things that we've tried to do on our own, Lord, I pray that you'd break those chains in Jesus' name, that they would fall off our shoulders and we would feel your yoke, which is light and easy to carry, that we would be free. And I pray, Father, where we've had doubts, that you would help us in our unbelief, that you would give us the gift of faith, Lord, I pray, Father, that our fears and our worries would melt away as we realize we partner with the God of the impossible. <clears throat> that our offense would, me- would wash away. That, that bitterness, Lord, would not take hold in our hearts. That it would be uprooted in Jesus' name. I pray that you would give us the strength, that you would help us to be strong and courageous to obey the call that you have over our lives. <clears throat> that that call of God would carry us through the rest of our lives. And I pray that we would stay not in a place of astonishment, but we would be sensitive to what you are doing and follow your paths and your ways so we could be transformed and all creation could see us coming, ushering in heaven on earth. Lord, we know that this is not of our strength, but your strength. And Father, I thank you for these steps of faith that people have taken today to stand and rise to you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that by your Holy Spirit that you would anoint us for the task at hand. That you would free us, that you would give us a joy that, in a depth that we've never seen before. A lightness and a rest that we crave and yearn for. That you would give us a hope that this world cannot overcome. That we would carry a light that the darkness has not overcome. Lord, we love you and we thank you that you love us too. Amen.